We always start with prayer for leaders. The book of Timothy says if we will pray for leaders, that God will give us leaders that will prosper our nation, that we will have freedom and peace. And so the church of Jesus Christ must pray for leaders. So I hope you do this as well. We get to do it together once a week. And then every time you think about something, uh, pray over leaders. There's so many different kinds of leaders from provincial government to federal government to business to school to municipalities. Everything requires leaders to run well and to advance. So let's pray. Father, today I pray for Canada. We stand in agreement as Springs Church. And we ask you, Father, for a country that the generations ahead of us, our kids and our grandkids, Father, will not have to fight the same fights we do for freedom. And so, Father, we pray for leaders. Give us leaders who have a servant's heart, who are not self-centered or selfish. Father, who have an understanding of leadership and management. And, Father, we pray that freedom comes from you. And we ask that for government leaders, raise up the right ones. Business leaders, health care education, religion, arts, entertainment, every one of these areas. We pray for leaders, Father, who will lead with wisdom and help us to build a Canada that Father will look after our kids and our grandkids and on. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody in agreement said, Amen, amen and Amen. Praise the Lord. A couple quick announcements. Uh, a new Return to Reason uh, program came out. Return to Reason is a new show that we do that does current events and takes a look at it from a perspective of wisdom, helps people to understand what's happening. And so that's out. You can go to uh, returntoreason.tv or leonfontaine.com, and that's available to watch now. I want to encourage all of those who are new to Springs. In the last two years... People were added to us um, for a, a multitude of reasons. And I want to just say to you, welcome. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're with us. And uh, and we believe that there are gifts and abilities and things in you that if God brought you here that we need. And so I did a message in Calgary last week called the award ceremony in heaven which really explains the volunteer culture of our church you need to see that uh, it'll help you to know whether or not you should leave or stay <laughs> it really will and we want you to make sure that you're in the right church and if this isn't it we'll help you find the right one for you but it'll really help you to understand the heart and what we're trying to do so I encourage you to go to the uh, springs app where all the messages are and to see that one about the, uh, the God's award ceremony in heaven. And it's what we call the title of it. And uh, I believe it'll be a real blessing to you. My dad was a pastor and he was my pastor my entire life. As I learned the ministry and apprenticed and worked with him, I pastored with him for 14 years. And he taught me something that I've always done. And that was... To believe God every day for at least one opportunity to minister to someone. To actually believe it. And I watched him do it. And then I began to do it as a, a single guy and then as a married guy. 
And I want to talk to you today about God using you. Because everybody thinks that if it's God's will, it'll happen. That has become the most dangerous doctrine. One of the most dangerous doctrines. I would put it at the top of the list. One of the most dangerous doctrines that have ever hit the church. Because if it's God's will, it'll happen, means you don't need to pray about it. You don't need to do anything about it. I remember a 10-year-old boy who looked at me. I'm sorry, his mom died when he was 10. He was now in his early 20s. And we got talking somewhere. I started sharing what Jesus meant to me. And he just, off in the foulest language, and he just cussed God out, put his middle finger and waved it at the sky and said, I blankety blank blank hate God. I can't stand God. And I said, okay, cool. I said, why? He said, because my mom died when I was 10. And the preacher at her funeral said, God needed another flower in heaven. And I thought, what does God need my mom for? I need my mom. I'm 10. And his, his life didn't go good after that with his dad and stepmoms and divorces and things. His life was just hell. He just hated God because of that. And I looked him in the eye and I said, you were lied to. What? I said, God's will was that your mom stayed with you. He did not take her away from you. And I explained to him and shared with him. And what a change that took place in this young man as he realized God was good. But this prevailing doctrine that, hey, if you got in a car accident, it happened, so it was God's will. Well, um, I mean, my, my dad died, so we prayed, and because we prayed and he died, it must be God's will. So if it happens, we just think it's God's will. And the Word of God's very clear. I'm going to give you some verses, some I'll turn to and read, others I don't have time to. But in Romans chapter 8, verses 26, 27, and 28, it teaches us there how Holy Spirit helps us to pray. And I'm not going to cover it here, I might cover it soon, but how... There is a prayer language for the believer. It is a gift to Christians. You know, salvation is a gift to the world who doesn't know Christ. But to be filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other languages, that, that heavenly language, that prayer language, that's a gift to Christians. And in the verse 26, 27, 28, it says very clearly there, that the Holy Spirit will help you to pray according to the will of God. Well, if it's God's will, why would you need to pray? And as you study the Word from beginning to end, you're going to discover, and many great men and women of God over the centuries have made this statement, it seems as though God can do nothing unless a human being prays. And God is able to move through them. You don't find stories in the Bible of the Holy Spirit just showing up and talking to somebody and getting them saved. I mean, a bright light will appear to Paul and Jesus will speak to him, but he still needs to send Ananias to him to lay hands on him, get him healed, get him filled with the Spirit. And so this, this whole issue of praying for things and I mean praying in faith, 
Not just whining, crying, blubbering, as though God's just moved by that. It's going to require faith. That, that is all through the Bible, that as you read and feed on the Word of God, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God, which means the will of God. And as you learn God's will, you pray effectively about God's will. So as a young man, I prayed. I said, God, it's your desire to get people saved and to touch them with a miracle. Use me. And every day I'd believe God. I'd say, Father, today, who am I going to talk to? Who am I going to pray with? I remember one day going home. We had four little girls. Zach wasn't born yet. And Sally would prepare our meals. And when you've got four little girls all under the age of four or whatever it was, she was a busy lady. And so when she put supper on the table, it was like important to be there. And I remember pulling into our driveway, and as I pulled into our driveway, I felt in my heart this nudge that I had been ignoring all the way home. Turn around, go back to work. Turn around, go back to work. I said, no, 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 I want to see my kids. I want to be in the south. I want to be at home. Uh, she's got supper on. I want her. And so this is what's going on. And so there's this war between the managing of my natural life and the Spirit of God speaking to me through my spirit. So I got in the driveway, and it's just like God reminded me, you've been saying, God, use me. So I turned the car around. <laughs> She's waving at me in the window as I drive off. And as I come down the street, and I was in Selkirk, and as we drove down Main Street, Selkirk, I looked and I saw a hubcap. I stopped at the red light, and there was a hubcap still turned, spinning in circles in front of me. And so I looked to my left, and there had been an accident between a sports car and this larger sedan. And so I quickly pulled over. Checked with the, with the young lady in the one car. I said, I'm totally fine. This guy ran the red. I have no idea. I hit him. And his car moved into the parking lot that she was in. And uh, it was sitting there. So I walked over and I saw the guy sitting in the seat. His head was back. Reached in and turned off his car. Um, went for a carotid pulse. He's dead. So I thought, hmm. Grabbed his jaw, and he was sitting up with his head back and just manipulated his mandible forward, put my mouth on his mouth, and I went, oh, gave him one great big breath, and I just said, live in Jesus' name. I got a tap on my shoulder, and I turned around, and the guys who were in the first unit were driving by, and bam, just Johnny on the spot. I backed up. I watched them scoop him out into the ambulance, and I followed them back to the hospital. Got back to the hospital and I noticed that they weren't doing CPR. This guy's dead and they're not doing CPR. So, parked, went in there. They'd already taken him in and uh, to the recess room. And, and so when, I fi when they finally came back, I said, so did you guys call him or what? He said, what do you mean? I said, did you declare him dead? Because they weren't supposed to do that, not with the way this guy was. And they said, no, he had, he had a viable pulse. He was breathing. I went, what? So I came to work the next day, and I found out what bed he'd been put in on the medicine ward. Walked up into his room, and here's this gentleman laying there, and his eyes are open, and he can't talk. And so I shared with him a little bit, and he just kind of stared at me, and no conversation. And um, at one point, I think it was the second day that I went in to talk with him, I asked him, I said, like, if you understand me, blink twice. And he blinked twice, and I went, okay. So I began to share with him Jesus. Each day for about the next three days, four days, 
I would take some time from my job and pop into his room and tell him how much Jesus loved him and the plan for his life. I remember looking at him and saying, would you like me to lead you in the prayer that guarantees you heaven? Guarantees. All you have to do is believe when you pray it. And he blinked twice. So I led him in the prayer. And uh, there was no change on him at all. And talked a little bit about why Jesus, you know, died for him and for me and our sins prepared a way. And I exited the room, told him I'd be here the next morning to see him. I walked into the room the next morning and the bed was way up. All the sheets were off. There was fresh sheets in a pile ready for housekeeping to fix it. And I turned and asked the clerk, I said, did you guys move his room? And she said, no, he passed away during the night. Now I have a question for you. What if I wouldn't have listened to God and just turned my car around? What if I wouldn't have been praying and just saying, every day, God, use me. I make myself available to you. How hard was it to visit this guy for maybe 15 minutes to half an hour a day and just chat about what God means to me? He couldn't argue with me. <laughs> and he made heaven. And the Bible's very clear. There's only two destinations once you die. An eternity in hell or eternity in heaven. And heaven's a prepared place for a prepared people. It's not for people who are good enough. It's for people who've accepted Jesus. And so I would pray this way each day and say, God, use me. And I would pray for people. I remember praying for one of the guys at work back then and just saying, God, I just pray for him. I ask for the spirit of wisdom upon him, the revelation upon him, and the knowledge of you, the eyes of his understanding opened, Ephesians 1, that he might know you. And one day I'm sitting at my desk and he walks in sits down in front of me, looks at me, and just out loud says, witness to me. I said, excuse me? He said, someone told me you witnessed to them. I said, oh, who was it? So he told me, and the person I had, I had won that person to the Lord. And he said, witness to me. And I said, what are you doing? Like, are you trying to set me up here or something? Or what are you doing? He says, just witness to me. So I shared with him the hope of Jesus. You know, in our prayer life, if all you pray about is you, you're missing the whole boat. You can pray about you, but actually the Bible says just speak to the problem, according to Mark 11. In Psalms 146, verses 7 to 10, it talks about God's goodness. And then in verse 9 it says, The Lord watches over strangers. He relieves the fatherless and the widows, but the way of the wicked he turns upside down. In Acts chapter 17, verse 6, it says, And when they could not find them, this is a, I'm just going to give you the one verse. Uh, the, the, the disciples are witnessing in a city, and there's people who are getting saved left, right, and center, and then there's a group of people who are upset. They're angry. And so they would just, they were trying to find Paul, the disciples, and they were staying at Jason's house. So here's the verse. And when they could not find the disciples, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, they're so angry. These men have turned the world upside down, and they have come here also. 
Okay, I want to say something. You're not called to blend. Sorry. You're not called to just disappear into the fabric of society. We're not called to be a church that just exists behind four walls and let's be sweet and cute and, and just love you, bless you. We are called to turn the world upside down. Now, that doesn't mean being a jerk, that doesn't mean being weird, that doesn't mean being religious, that doesn't mean going and being a pest. It means the goodness of God comes into people's lives. And where the enemy, what the enemy has meant for evil, God turns it around. It means you walk into situations and the grace and the power of Holy Spirit works through you because you're believing that God will use you. The church has gotten so defensive that we just think we're going to just be on the fence and we see all that's going on in the world and all the junk that's happening and, and we just either have some scary end times doctrine that makes us tremble and hope Jesus rescues us soon and things are too far gone to ever bring a change. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Countries were so far gone that there was nothing left and God turned it around. We have one of the greatest moves of God than we have ever had before. When you recognize how many people have been filled with fear and everything in their world's been shaking and, and they look towards the future and they're just believing for more of the same, they don't know where to turn. They need you to share the hope that you found. And when you do, did you know Holy Spirit will get all over you? And he'll flow through you in a powerful way. In Romans 8, 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And it says, He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. All right, God's will. God has a will for you, for the person sitting beside you, for the neighbor. God has a will for them to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He has a will for Canada. He has a will for Winnipeg. He has a will for all of us. And the enemy of our souls wants you to back down and just blend. But through the word of God, you will see over and over that cities had great joy hit them when they stood up. And they stood up with this love, this respect for others. They stood up and they shared and miracles began to flow in their lives. So many of us are trying to get miracles in our lives, but we are not praying and saying, God, use me today to get a miracle in someone else's life. The most exciting thing you are ever going to imagine. When I was young, I was being trained to be a paramedic in the Selkirk Hospital. I was informed that you are not to talk to people about God. And I said, why not? They said, we have a chaplaincy that does that, and you will not take your beliefs and share them with the people around you. I remember one day talking with someone in a room. 
And they looked at me and they just said, out of the blue, they recognized me because I was working with youth as a youth pastor with my dad while I was working in the hospital. Would you pray for me? Please pray for me. So I did. Well, the clerk of that ward was watching and wrote me up. She walked in afterwards and said, what was that about? Oh, he just prayed with me. They did not know the rules. Go, he, he prayed with me. Oh, really? He prayed with you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. She wrote me up, had it submitted to the administrator of the hospital, and I was called on the carpet. So I got a, a phone call. Would you please come down to the administrator's office? That's never a good call. And then they said, bring your union rep. That's a really bad call. So he comes, and he was not a Christian either. In fact, he had a problem with me too. Maybe only three in the whole place. So we get in there and she says, I have a complaint that is filed against you, that you are pushing your religion on people in a prying and a pushing manner. I went, are you kidding me? What's this about? And uh, so they told me and I said, are you kidding? I'm in the room doing my job. And they look at me with tears. Where I said, would you please pray with me? Well, you should have referred it to the chaplaincy. They're on my case. So... You know, the Bible says that wisdom is cool. And if you open your mouth in times of trouble, God will fill it. So I looked, and it was a, a lady administrator, and, and she was a good lady, good leader. I looked at her and I said, well, then I'm going to go to the newspapers. She goes, what for? I said, because your hospital is pro-Catholic and anti-Protestant. And she goes, excuse me? I said, when I was taking my paramedic course, they taught us that if a baby died in the back of the ambulance and the parents were Catholic, they taught us to take sterile water and baptize that baby in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for its soul to move towards heaven. Or, you know. And I said, and you have never taught Protestant baptism? I can prove it to you right now in the books that you have. Well, there is no Protestant baby baptism. And uh, so she looks at me and she goes, that's in our, yes. I said, I can show it to you right now. Paramedic man, blah, blah, blah. it says right in there for psychological relief of the parents who've lost a baby. You are to take uh, sterile water and baptize that baby that's, whose body is there in the name of, because, and, but you don't do anything about infant baptism for Protestants. You can see her just struggling on the inside. She goes, fine. And she ripped it up in front of me. <laughs> I found that to share your faith, everyone's scared. But what do people say? What are people going to think? I think it's going to be more awkward when at the end of this age, you're walking in the lineup towards heaven, if there's a lineup. And that person is going, why didn't you tell me, Leon? We worked together for seven years. You can't even tell me there's a heaven. You can't even tell me that it's Jesus is the only way. I, I, I prefer to know that Jesus is pleased with me than some people are upset with me. The disciples shared their faith. And people came to the Lord at such numbers that 3,000 the first day. And by the way, there was always people who hated them for it. So if you're waiting till you can figure out a way to share your faith where everybody loves you, good luck, Jesus tried. They hung him on a cross. One of the clerks in the hospital at the time, she was one of my <laughs> worst 
She was the one that wrote me up. She was the one that would complain about me and, and take it to the administrator. And one day I'm walking by the, the desk and, I, and she shouts out loud in, the, in a hospital, this is wrong. She goes, would you shut up? I wasn't even talking to her. I said, excuse me? She goes, it's not right to be happy on a Monday. <laughs> I guess I was singing or whistling as I was walking down the hallway, which, you know, is... And that was the kind of person that she was. But if I was to share with you how many people made heaven by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin as I slipped into rooms at two in the morning because they'd put a red star on their door, meaning there's no resuscitation. Let them pass away. And I would just sit by the bed. And often they'd say, could I have a blanket? I'm cold. And I'd cover them up and I'd just talk to them about how much Jesus loved them. Well, I can obey some union rule. But in this case, eternity was more important. And I just want to encourage you. There goes my message and my time is up. I just want to encourage you that Christians are to be the salt of the earth, the light of the earth. When it says we're to turn this world upside down, it doesn't mean all the good things, all the good institutions, all the good people. It doesn't mean go try to be a, a jerk. It just means that in your sharing of your faith, that might be silently, it might be verbally. God will give you opportunities. Don't be surprised if there's people against you. They dragged Jason into the streets just for letting the disciples stay at his house. But the disciples left from that city and went to the next city, and tons more came to know Jesus. And this group of renegades who were trying to stop God, they followed them to that city and got everybody stirred up there. And they left that city and went to the next city. Acts 17, I think, is a chapter. And the, the, these people found out where Paul went next, and they followed him there too and got everybody upset again. Did you know there are two kingdoms on the planet? We have over 200 nations maybe, but only two kingdoms. Both are fighting for the souls of men. And the job of his church, because Jesus said, I am building my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it, is that we share our faith. It might be as simple I was in chapters here in Winnipeg one day, and I'm standing in line to buy a book. And as I'm standing in line, this young college-age girl walks over, and she stands and she looks at me like this. I come on, oh, what now? So I turn to her and she goes, are, are you that guy on TV? I said, yeah. Everybody in line turns around. They're staring at me. You think you got it rough? Try to be a TV evangelist. And they all kind of looked at me like, oh, great. And she just speaks out and openly in front of everybody and says, would you pray for me? And then you could see them really going, oh, gee, rolling their I mean, it was obvious. I'm not making this up. It was like... She goes, my mom just died. Now their faces all change. It's like, hurry up, go pray with her kind of look, you know? <laughs> so I walked her around the book rack away from people, and we talked. And I just ministered God's peace. She knew she was a believer. She was a follower of Christ. 
I just prayed with her. Just believed that God would make her strong through one of the most horrible times of a person's life, losing her mom. I want you to know something. that You go ahead and pray for your healing, your money, your finances, you know, your four and no more. And you're going to feel empty. And as a believer, thank God that God will bless you. But you are first, according to Matthew 6, you're to seek first the kingdom of heaven, meaning the advancement of his kingdom, which is his church. And I want to challenge you today with all that you're doing and working in hospitals and universities and business, government, whatever it is, that we are to say, God, use me to advance the kingdom of God. Pray for souls and say, God, who would you have me just touch? There's a lady, I think she's here today in the service that I met at Safeway off of 59 Highway. All I did, first time I saw her years ago, was someone was tearing a strip off of her because she was so slow and there's all these people in line. And so when I finally got there and, and the jerk was in front of me, hey! So he paid and walked off and I just looked at her and kind of gave her a little wink and said, you're doing great, ignore him. Something like that, you know, something any of us would do. And I walked off and came back again, maybe a few days later, because it's kind of on my way home and to grab some groceries. And she had asked somebody until she found somebody who knew who I was. Oh, and she found that out. She came to church, gave her life to Christ. Just because all I wanted to do was be kind to her. You see, when you pray for others, when you believe God to touch the lives of the people around you, He will give you opportunities. And then it's going to disrupt your life. Like there went supper and I had to explain to Sally, which of course she had no problem. You know, and, and, and then there's situations where, you know, people are watching you like an entire chapter's line up looking at you going, ugh, you know. And you've got to go, no, I'm here to share this incredible beautiful Son of God called Jesus. He will heal. He'll touch hearts. He will restore what the enemy has stolen. He will heal broken hearts. He will guarantee you, if you'll accept the gift of salvation, eternity. Everywhere you go are people. I remember this beautiful nurse. She was probably about 20, 30 years older than me. She was always laughing and smiling. She was the one person you'd gravitate towards. And, and I knew she wasn't a believer because she was one, you know, you, you just knew the way she talked. And I wanted to find an opportunity to, to share with her. And one morning I went in and she had died in a fire that night. And I missed my opportunity. That bugged me. I've never forgotten that. It's decades ago. And it just bugged me. I'll never forget another guy that worked there and I was looking, waiting for you, know, I was kind of watching. I just felt I need to talk to this man, but all the things that are going on, you know, and, and I didn't get to him. And then one morning we found out he took his own life. And with the hundreds of people that worked there, it was such an opportunity to share. And I want you to know that around you, people aren't as good as their smile. They're not as confident as their suit. They're not as put together as their makeup. They're not as, as powerful as the way they've got their voice, tone, and the way they speak to you, and body inflection, and the way they move, they command the room. Eh. <laughs> eh, they put their underwear on one leg at a time, just like you. <laughs> and there's a big hole in the middle. 
that you, God will guide you in reaching them. Today I want to just challenge you. Ahead of us is the greatest move of God we've ever seen. We have a world so filled with fear, uncertainty, and Jesus is the answer for the world today. Most people won't listen to me, but they'll listen to you, you cool, good-looking thing, you. Just start speaking up. Just start being kind. Just say, God, use me every day. And maybe the prayer should be, God, I'm going to believe you that every day, at least once, at least one, and sometimes I'd minister to ten, but at least one that I can minister to. That might mean a Christian to encourage. It might mean someone I can share with that doesn't accept Christ, but I got the word planted. It might mean someone that just bows their head in a restaurant, like Vio, who comes here. You know, tears running down his face as, we, as I ministered God's word to him. I've never had to say anything deep. I've never had to figure any complex things out. It was just, yeah, it's Jesus. Let me pray with you. And I pray that you'll start to say, God, use me. And you'll be shocked. The incredible purpose and joy that comes into your life. I was doing a pastor's seminar. Where was I? I think I was in New Zealand. And so I was sharing. They asked me to do a series on signs and wonders and the gifts of the Spirit. So I just begin to share. And if you've read my book, The Spirit Contemporary Life, it's just filled with incredible miracles. So I started sharing that, and then they had a Q&A time. And one guy in a very kind of just, hmm, way, puts his hand up, and he's going to ask you a question. I said, sure. He said, why do you think God always brings you to these people? Or why do you think these people always run into you? It never happens to me. And you've got to be careful because we're called to walk in humility and recognize it's not us, it's God. But I just felt a nudge from God and I said, I don't know, I don't know. But I will say this, if I was God and I was to lead somebody who had an amazing need, broken and hurting, and I could choose from everybody in this room, I would for sure bring this hurting person to the one who will not miss the opportunity and will speak up and will pray and will cancel the luncheon or whatever to minister to that person. And if you're ne never prepared or praying or believing or even looking, why would he even bring them to you? But the excitement and the joy of being used by God to see someone turn their lives to Christ is beyond anything you can imagine. He who winneth souls is wise. Solomon said, Father, today I pray that you'd touch every one of us and me as included to be aware of beautiful, wonderful people who are hurting, lost. Maybe you've never heard about Jesus in any kind of a good way and are so turned off by church, I don't know. But God, use us. Use us. Bring them across our paths and we promise to speak up and to lend a helping hand and to be kind and to share Jesus in a way that is, he'd want to be shared. Every head bowed for just a moment. I want to lead you in the prayer that I've prayed with so many people and I'd love to pray it with you. If you're here and you'd say to me, you know, Leon, I'm, I'm not sure that... I'm born again. I'm not sure that I'm a Christian. 
Well, I can lead you in a prayer so powerful that all you have to do is choose Jesus. You don't have to come prepared. You don't have to say, well, I've got to clean up my life first. No, that's like saying, I have to have a shower to take a bath. You come as you are, as messed up or as perfect, whichever you think. You just come as you are, and he accepts you the way you are. So I'm going to lead everybody in this auditorium. We're all going to pray this prayer out loud. But for all of you that are here that would say, Leon, include me. Today, I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. Would just you folks open your eyes and all over it, just raise your hands and wave at me until I see it, put it right back down. Thank you, others. Say, yes, include me. Thank you, others. Say, yes, pastor, include me. Thank you. It's hard with these lights. So if I miss you, God sees you. Thank you. Thank you. Ushers, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't miss this opportunity. As you heard me speaking, God was doing something deep inside of you. And you know this is what you've been missing. Don't miss this opportunity. I'm going to just wait a moment. Just give me a quick wave. Put your hand right back down. Just saying, Leon, I'm choosing him today. Let's all of us together pray with all these amazing folks making a decision that, that we made at one point and we know how crucial it is. Let's pray out loud. It says, just say, Dear God, thank you for sending your son who died in my place. He qualified me to be in your family. He paved the way to be in your family. So I accept. Jesus, come into my heart. From today and on, I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. That's how cool that is. That's how powerful that is.